Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. This is your host, Tim Birch, and I have a little bit of a treat this week because this, this gentleman I met a couple of weeks ago at the New Jersey Professional Land Surveyors Conference. Um, he is a student at uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology, which I had explained to me last night is, think of an MIT, but in New Jersey. So <laughs> that dynamic was kind of fun to throw, and it was actually an NJIT uh, alumni. So he said that proudly. Um, but today I'm speaking with Michael Bleeker. Uh, Michael, it was great meeting you uh, over there in Atlantic City, my first time into Atlantic City. Um, and I guess the, between, the, well, we, we met at the alumni uh, gathering there for NJIT and Rowan, uh, great event. Uh, and your, your, your presentation and demonstration with what we're going to talk about today was was phenomenal, and I think you really captured uh, captured the imagination of a lot of the attendees. But uh, so, Michael Bleeker, who are you? Where did you come from, and wh- how, what do you bring into the to the the, the geomatics and the, uh, the the surveying profession today for us? <laughs> All right. Well, as you said, my name is Michael Bleeker. I am I recently graduated from NJIT with a mechanical engineering degree, and I am back in for a second undergrad for the surveying engineering technology degree. Very nice. Born and raised in North Jersey, you know, uh, bounced around a bunch of different towns, but I'm currently living out of Bloomfield and I'm working out of Upper Montclair. Nice. Nice. So uh, first question that I have, maybe the listeners would have as well. Okay. You did one degree. What got you engaged to want to come back and get the second degree and make it survey. I mean, what, so tell us how, what, what engaged you to want to do that? Because um, I won't say it's a big stretch, but it's because it's really not. But uh, I think, I think your story of how you tied that all together really, really uh, sets off this conversation, kind of sets the tone for what we're going to talk about today. Well, I was, I've kind of been exposed to surveying my entire life. You know, I come from a family full of engineers, architects, surveyors, you know, uh, My father is a surveyor, two of my uncles are surveyors, one's an architect, you know, some have civil engineering degrees. So growing up, I was always exposed to the kind of, you know, civil engineering or, you know, kind of world. And that was always in the back of my mind when I was trying to figure out what kind of career path to choose, because I saw all my family members doing it successfully, you know. So, but I was always kind of mechanically inclined. I liked robotics. I had a robotics class in high school at made me super excited for college. So I chose mechanical, but, um, you know, I, I found, especially during COVID, I, I didn't really enjoy just sitting behind a desk, you know, doing CAD programs all day, every day. I, you know, kind of hungered to be outside and I realized, well, surveying uses robotics and does all those kinds of things. And it just, all the, the gears started clicking together, so to speak. And I realized that 
you know, I will really enjoy, you know, this kind of career path if I try to just combine all of my knowledge and hobbies and passions, you know, consolidate on surveying. All right. So I guess we'll just do the, the kind of the big unveil of, of what you dropped dropped on us and the knowledge you dropped on us at the at the conference. Tell us about your your project, your your, your vision of, of really applying what you love about robotics, what you know about surveying, what you're trying to learn, and into this big project that uh, that that you like I said you laid on us and uh, really wowed the crowd. <laughs> so the project we're working on it was a fully autonomous lidar and photogrammetry slam rover. So SLAM is simultaneous localization and mapping. So if anyone's familiar with, you know, laser scanning and point clouds, it's basically, you know, doing that, generating a cloud, but doing it live, you know, and it's moving and it's moving around the environment and creating a map in real time. So, and that's probably the future, in my opinion, of, you know, surveying, but, you know, the, I guess, I don't know how technical you want me to go into it. No, go go for it. That, that that's and that's really what we're here for because there's so much technical going on in our profession yeah. that you know laying out your vision and putting this project together. I think that uh, that that really helps uh, establish what uh, where you're going and where the where the industry is going. Yeah. So that's one of the big the best technologies for you know mapping is right now you know kind of trying to emulate you know the human features human vision. So photogrammetry, the, it works best by trying to emulate, you know, the human eyesight, you know, trying to do our depth perception. So on the rover, we have a stereo camera that's run by AI and incredibly powerful NVIDIA computers and, you know, does all the, you know, the depth perception calculations that, you know, the human mind just does automatically and generates a point cloud and a map based off of that. And now you, you hook up a GPS to it, you know, put a decent computer in it and you can have it just moving around job sites autonomously. You know, you control it from a base station, you know, somewhere in an office and you have this rover running around generating a map. That, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, um, all right, you've got all of these components, all of these remote sensing pieces. Uh, what kind of a platform do you currently have it on and where do you see this thing going from there? So as of right now, it's basically uh, built on a kind of beefy RC car, you know, with a you know, decent off-roading wheels and a suspension and all that stuff. And that's probably, you know, formats like that are probably going to become standard, maybe, you know, changing the steering mechanisms or whatever will likely happen. But, you know, deploying some sort of rugged, you know, kind of remote controlled drone is pretty much becoming the norm, you know, on, especially in farming equipment and stuff like that. That's one of the biggest sectors that is adopting this technology. You know, they have, you know, massive rugged machines, you know, surveying fields and, you know, the, determining the quality of crops and you know, just measuring everything that possibly can be measured. Exactly. Well, and what impressed me about the, the vehicle you actually, you know, that you've put together, uh, even as, well, and I guess that's the thing about uh, the, the remote control car industry now, and how you know how capable that has gotten, both uh, both gas powered and the electric side of things. Um, how rugged, how rugged they are, and being able to, to adapt all of those remote sensors onto that onto that platform, uh, you know, just to even to to conceptualize what's going on. That was a, that was uh, 
that was a really in, ingenious start to all this. So uh, I, I do have to uh, tip my cap to you for for putting that together because you know that that's the one thing that yes the that I think that you know that we're going to we're uh, that, that I think it's going to be the next frontier is yes we're already flying stuff and photogrammetry and lidar and all of those things we're now doing stuff with uh, bathymetry and uh, basically underwater drones. Um, the whole the whole capability of of on the surface really we haven't seen a lot of that just yet and i think you're you're onto something here that's you know the biggest the biggest struggle with a lot of it is you know everyone's trying to make money off it you know so every single time someone some new emerging technology comes out you know someone there you go someone's doing research in a school some big company snatches it up you know makes it all privatized and it's hard to you know conceptualize how much it's really growing, you know, and how fast it's really all changing. You know, exactly. It's, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of demand for, you know, mapping and things like tunnels and, you know, old mines and you know, a lot of the stuff that the public doesn't really see on a day-to-day basis, but the industries are hungry for, you know, improvements in their workflows. Exactly. And what I, what I, what I appreciate about what you're trying to do with this platform um, it's, you know, I guess this is the age old thing that, uh, we've had some naysayers in our profession say, well, you're just, you know, you're, you're going to eliminate jobs and you're gonna... no, this is going to, this is going to expand, expand opportunities for people. And I mean, I look at it as, as, you know, and I look back at my career and some of the places that I didn't, you know, I, a, a person could not go into environmentally shouldn't go into whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm and I grew up in central Illinois. So a couple of places were, were some, were some grain elevators and places where this wasn't really good for somebody to be in something like this. You could stick it in, in this environment and drive it around and control it and collect all of these things and not be hazardous to that, to that surveyor, to that operator. So I'm, I mean, I'm looking at little, little things like that. And uh, just, it's, it's, it's amazing the, the capability that, uh, an opera, you know, a, a platform like this is really opening up. No, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, to say on your point, you know, the naysayers, a lot of people say that, you know, surveying is dying, you know, and that's not really the case. It's simply evolving. You know, you think one generation ago, you know, you had, when you're doing a stakeout, you had four guys go out with the tape and a theology and, you know, mm-hmm. do all their layout, you know, but now we have, you know, robotic total stations. The, the, the job of four guys can be done by one. The profession still exists. We're still here. We're still making money. You know, we're still growing as an industry. And this is really just kind of the next step. You know, there is a dire need of, you know, surveyors, you know, for every in New Jersey, specifically every 60 men that retire, you know, surveyors, not necessarily men, you know, only really 10 are graduating from New Jersey schools, you know, 15 and, you know, technology like this helps bridge that gap, I think. Exactly. And obviously, as we've seen as well, that it's, it's not even just the licensees. It is the, it is the tech, the, the technician side, whether it's field crews or office, right. office staff, drafters, what have you, we're having that, that technical side we need to backfill as well. And um, no, I, I think this is a, this was a, this was a great concept. So let's talk, I mean, let's talk about a little bit about the challenges of this. I mean, you're, you're doing this as, as a project with, within school, um, what kind of the technical challenges? Because you're t- you just you rattled off a whole bunch of different sensors. Uh, what's been the challenge of making this thing? I mean, each of these sensors talk to each other and being geo referenced, and 
all of this stuff. I mean, that that's some heavy duty thinking and programming here. Yeah, that's honestly the biggest, you know, like I, I kind of uh, mentioned something to the, uh, the effect before, but trying to find information on how to make it all work is the toughest thing, because like I said, you know, you start, you know, the, the student that originally developed the algorithms to make these slam scanners work, you know, originally, you know, a lot of his stuff was open source, he published it on the internet. And then a company bought him and now he's making some company millions of dollars somewhere, but, and then, but they took all that information off the internet. So it's, right. you know, this constant struggle of like, okay, everyone's developing these new sensors and people start figuring out how it works. And then, you know, they get snatched up by companies and then, you know, the information disappears. So it's a lot of, you know, trial and error, you know, just beating your head against the wall over and over and over again until eventually it gets through because, you know, people are doing it. It's obviously doable. You know, people are making tech for it. It's just developing the kind of, um, how do I say, you know, kind of persistence mindset, you know, trying to not, you know, burn out, get too frustrated, you know, trying to regulate right. your own emotional regulation is probably the toughest part of the technical side. Oh, I bet. You know? I bet. Well, and then I guess the, the other part, the other big challenge to this, um, what the, you know, the funding for putting these pieces together. Um, it's not like you just go down to the hardware store and pick up this, pick up this scanner off this, you know, off the shelf for 50 bucks or whatever. I mean, we're talking some, you know, some significant value here. How have you been able to, to fund putting all of these things together? Have you found some industry partners or how, how's this thing been able to, to, to financially come together? Unfortunately, I have to give a lot of credit to my advisor, Dr. Potts. Uh, a lot of it is funded by the school, um, you know, different research professors, you know, throwing money around, you know, some small grants, you know, things like that, you know, the, uh, even the society has helped us out a little bit, you know, the New Jersey Society of Professional Surveyors. It's, you know, I don't have a huge hand in the, uh, the money collection at the moment, but, you know, it's, it's, the money's out there, you know, people, uh, people are getting excited about this tech, you know, as obscure and, you know, as few people seem to have eyes on it, you know, everyone wants to see the industry, you know, progress. They want to move forward. They want to throw money at these kinds of things because, you know, that's, it's the future. That's good. Um, well, it, you know, with that little, little shout out to, to Dr. Laramie Potts. Yes. yes. He's uh, he is uh, a, 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 a wonderful leader on all of these things. And you're right. It's um, you know, that's, I guess that's the one, problem I've always I've always heard throughout my career with surveying curriculums is that you know securing funding and securing backing from from uh, not just you know the software companies the equipment companies um, you know it's one thing for an engineering curriculum to say we're you know we're putting together all this research and get these grants and things surveying is it's it's an expensive uh, it's an expensive curriculum to put together simply because of the equipment so yes Having having a, a, a program and a, a society, a state society that's been willing to help and, and put the put put some dollars together to help fund the not just the program but obviously the projects like these. Uh, kudos to Dr. Potts and the society for helping that out. Because hey, uh, you got to spend some money to, to to make some new technology to make exactly some money, right. and uh, they've act, you've done you've done a great job with that. So, um, I guess from putting this together, and it's by no means done yet you're going to continue to to tweak and 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 uh make make improvements and things to to this project 
what's in, in some of the, I guess, what's lessons learned in putting this all together? Um, not just what you're going to improve on, but how's it, how's it uh, made you, has it made you look at the, at the profession any differently and how to approach uh, how we get some of our tasks done and how we become more, more efficient in what we do? Um, what are some of the lessons learned during all of this? It's, I've learned so much from it. It's hard to distill <laughs> it down into one topic. Um, yeah, it's, this, it's making me realize that the sky is the limit. You know, we, you know, a lot of older guys, you know, they learn one workflow, you know, with one instrument and, you know, they kind of just do that and they just, and that's fine, but, you know, technology is evolving so rapidly now and it's becoming so technical. Like, you know, a lot of people will lament the fact that, you know, surveying now requires a college degree in, you know, in, in New Jersey, but it, the, the rate at the, the technology is moving. Like, you know, what I'm learning in my classes, it's fundamentally an engineering degree now. You know, we're learning about, you know, lasers and doing the mathematics for photogrammetry and all the parallax calculations, you know, stuff that, you know, was not done in the past. It's becoming, you know, increasingly, I guess, uh, white collar is the way to put it. You know, and, you know, it, it requires a lot of, you know, technical knowledge and experience. And it's, just going to be a completely different landscape within, you know, probably the next two, three decades. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I guess that kind of leads into that next question. I mean, you've, uh, you've obviously been in formal education through your, uh, through your mechanical side, now getting into the surveying side and all the things you're putting together here. Um, and I think, you, you know, you just, you hit on it a little bit that it's, that it's really, it's surveying has historically been really looked at as a, as a blue collar profession. And there's, there's so much more technical side, so much more uh, that needs to be educated and, and, and formally learned um, that it's not just out cutting brush and running lines and things like that. It's, it, it's all this high-tech data collection yeah. that, um, so I guess, what do, how do you feel that, that there, do we make this balance between formal education, there is experience, there's all these things that need to be put together, but um, I think you've made a, a, a kind of a great pitch that, hey, it, there's a there's a lot more formal formal side to this that uh, because it is so technical. Right. And that's, you know, when you rip apart one of these instruments, there's, you know, com there's a complicated computer in it. There's lasers, there's batteries, there's all sorts of, you know, all of our you know, humans cutting edge tech is all crammed with these, you know, really neat looking, you know, total stations and things like that. And it's you know, very difficult to wrap your head around. I mean, granted, it's designed to be as user-friendly as possible, you know, so that the layman can use it. But, you know, making these things, truly understanding how they work is, you know, becoming a challenge. You know, it's not something you could just pick up on a weekend, you know, right out of high school anymore. You need to understand, you know, the, the mathematics and the electricities and the chemistries and, you know, the, the logic you know, that's going behind all these instruments, you know, how are these measurements really being made? It's not as intuitive as, you know, pulling a tape anymore, you know, or reading a train, a number on a transit, like it's right. And that's, you know, the tough part is it's it, the barrier to entry is increasing, you know, but it's, oh, exactly. It's kind of necessary. Oh, exactly. And I, you know, I even think back and uh good thing is this will predate predate you by, by quite a ways, but I remember the introduction of the, the, the personal, personal computer. 
And yeah, I mean, obviously there were mainframes when I was growing up I, that I'd never touched. But when, you know, once they got to the personal computer, yeah, you really had to had to know what you're doing to which disk to put in and this things. But like you said, it's it's gotten down to the point where literally anybody, you know, our, our grandparents now are are running are running personal computers, and uh, it it's a very complicated machine. But obviously, it's it's done in in a, in a manner where everybody can run it, and that's what I think. You know, I think that's the important thing we got to keep uh, uh, a vision of with surveying. It is very complicated. All of the stuff that that's going on because of the technology. But uh, it's allowed us to do so much more. So we've got to we've got to be able to wrap our heads around that and uh, and and really know how to work 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 the profession around it. Yeah, and that's what you're gonna say. No, uh, well, and I guess my that kind of leads into my next question of your, you know, the and we talked about Dr. Potts and and others. Um, how has the influence of Older, you know, older generations, your mentors, professors, teachers, and industry professionals. How has that kind of bled into what you're trying to apply? I mean, it's not like you're you're blind to the rest of the world, and you're taking all of this and you're building this this uh, this cool toy um, <laughs> w- without some input from from others. Because um, obviously, you want to make it useful. How has that influence of between your your formal education and the outside profet, you know, outsiders within the profession, how's that influenced where you've taken your projects and your mindset for the future? I think one of the biggest influences was when I was a freshman mechanical engineering student, you know, years ago now. My one of my first professors that taught me, you know, 3D CAD, you know, modeling, he said, no matter what you do, do it with passion. You know, and that's a lot of the you know, really big personalities I've met in academia is basically just trying to reignite that childish curiosity. You know, a lot of people, you know, lose that as they get older, but, you know, never stop imagining what's possible. You know, even, you know, Dr. Potts, you know, if you get him, ta- he's a geodesist, you get him talking about, you know, the, the <laughs> axis of the earth and how it wobbles and how hard it is to measure and calculate, you know, that's what he did. I think his, his thesis on and stuff like that. It's, right. you know, the energy that, you know, some of these, you know, these guys who never really lost that, the, the glint in their eye, you know, you know, that energy is probably the most important, you know, thing I've learned from all of my, you know, mentors and things like that. You know, the, the people that are, you know, not just excited to live life, but excited about the possibilities and, you know, want to get the next generation excited. And that's, in my opinion, the biggest struggle in, you know, this world nowadays where, you know, with all the social media and the politics and all the insanity, you know, is how do you, you know, keep a cool head, be optimistic and keep, you know, encouraging people to keep working when, you know, to keep charging forward, keep developing new technologies and, you know, have fun while doing it. Exactly. No, that's your, your, your spot on there. Um, so I'm going to kind of flip the script a little bit because obviously you're a, a, a little bit older, having already been through uh, a, a degree program once, and now you're, you're going back for another bite of that apple. Uh, these, these, these young kids coming in now, uh, the, the, the freshmen, sophomores that are coming into the program now, um, how, how do you see, you know, what you're building upon and what you've learned, how are you able to apply that and really become that mentor for those, those younger, that, 
I hate to say generation because you're all really the same generation, but, but that, that next wave of students coming in, they haven't seen what you've seen and how do you, how do you relate to them and transfer all this stuff? Well, doing everything I can to kind of pay it forward. But, you know, I think the biggest struggle with the, the current gen or the young generation now is they're, they were the first real generation to be, you know, that have never known a world without smartphones, without technology, without this information overload, you know, and it's how do you kind of filter the signal out of all the noise? You know, how do you get, you know, when there's so much possibility, when there's so many things to know and everything is just the scope, like the perceived scope of reality is just insane now, even if it's not really, you know, at the end of the day, you got to just, you know, choose a profession, you know, get good at it, you know, do the whole, do the work. So what I'm trying to do right now, you know, my younger cousin, you know, I'm going to be seeing him in a couple of weeks and I've, you know, used the Rover to basically scan myself. And I'm going to take that, that point cloud, turn it into a model and 3d print it. And I'm going to give it to him as a gift. I promised him I would, you know, and that's hopefully, you know, get him excited to get, you know, get the gears turning because, you know, even though, you know, a lot of this technology seems insane to understand and it's all complicated. It's completely knowable. You can figure it out. People are writing books on how to solve it, you know, how to right. create it. It's, you know, nothing, no amount of, no aspect of reality of humanity is truly static. You know, we're always changing and every, every person that's coming into college, that's going to be graduating has, will have the ability to affect their will on society in some way. Oh, exactly. How do you exactly. teach that? You know, that's, that's always the biggest struggle. Well, that's good because, and, you know, and I think that's part of, I mean, part of a deeper conversation for <laughs> another place, another time, and probably uh, adult beverages, um, <laughs> the whole, the whole mentoring uh, concept. And, you know, I think, unfortunately there's, there are some older generations um, among surveyors that think that it, it is only one way and it's only, old to young. And uh, that's not necessarily the case. And uh, I think obviously the younger generation sees the value in that. You've been the recipient of mentors and for you to very quickly take what you've learned and and help apply that to uh, a younger set of surveyors coming in, uh, I think is very important. So uh, I applaud you for taking what you've learned and 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 turning it around and, and making it useful much sooner than uh, than uh, than most. So that that's fantastic. Um, I guess, so you, you taking all of this, in, uh, you know, in, in this short conversation, um, where does this lead Michael Bleeker for the future? What's your, what's your short-term goals? Uh, what do you, what do you look to accomplish besides building this super cool <laughs> autonomous vehicle? That's going to be a, a, a data collecting machine, but where's this taking, uh, where's this taking Michael to the, to the next, what's that next level? So the immediate short-term goals is, you know, finish a degree, get licensed and start a boundary company to start. You know, that's, there's so much work, you know, it's, this is an overwhelming amount, even with the real estate, you know, economy just being as crazy as it is, like there's just a need for surveyors. So that's going to be probably the backbone of whatever company I end up creating. And then over time, you know, we'll figure out, you know, how to incorporate this technology into, you know, the business and eventually, you know, figure out, you know, client discovery and things like that. And we'll figure out what specific angles to take it. But, you know, Very good. this technology, it's all emerging and it's nice and it's cool, but, you know, how do you take your knowledge and turn it into money? That's at the end of the day, you know, the, the big question. 
everyone always needs to worry about. Exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, it is a business and end right. of the day, you've got to put food on the table. So yeah, you're, you're right that uh, you can have all these uh, grandiose, wonderful <laughs> plans for things. But uh, if it's, if, if it's not uh, filling the bank account, it's, you can't it's, eat, you can't eat dreams and visions. Can't eat dreams of it. I like that. I like that. I think I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'll 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 credit you that. But I think I'll I'll keep that. Um, so I guess you know, in, uh, and I'm trying to be uh, you know considerate of your time as well. So we'll you know my so my big final question usually for everybody is, how does the future of surveying look to you? Um, I think we've kind of laid it out here, and based upon your short and longer term goals and what you're trying to tie together with all the things you're learning, I think I've got an answer, but what, how does the future serving look? It's incredibly exciting. You know, it's surveying is quite possibly the oldest profession in the human race. You know, even when we were cavemen, you know, chasing down antelopes and, you know, gathering berries, you know, the adventurous humans would go out, you know, they would figure out where all the stuff is, come back, you know, do a cave painting on the walls, you know, get excited over the fire and go do the thing, you know, even now, you know, our modern technology, our, you know, the curiosity and perseverance rovers, the James Webb telescope, you know, the humanities magnum opuses, they're really all, it's all just surveying insurance, you know? And it's yes. a profession yes. that has just constantly been evolving and, you know, always changing, but it's, you know, a core part of, you know, humanity really measuring, you know, trying to quantify the world that we occupy and how to make the best of it. You know, I, you know, a lot of guys are, I think, unfairly pessimistic about, you know, the future, but it's, it's brighter than ever. You know, it probably always will be. Yep. I, I, I agree. And I think that's, you know, that, that is, that is a great, uh, not just a viewpoint to take, but a, a great uh, philosophy to, to, to have going forward because it is everything we're seeing is like you said, it's, uh, it, it is about knowing what's around us, knowing what, uh, knowing what we have, knowing what is out there. Um, you know, and you're right. Um, I've always been told it's the second oldest profession, but we won't go there either. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, uh, you're right. And you know, that's, uh, that's, I think that's the beauty of it. Uh, you know, talking to the NJIT students and the Rowan students and all the other people across the country have been able to, to talk to, uh, even the high school students uh, we talked to recently, uh, you're writing your own ticket because there's the, 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 I don't think there at this point, there is a ceiling on this. So um, I, I would argue that there isn't. Yep. Well, kudos to you for putting this all together, for having a vision and having an idea of where you want to take it. Because uh, I think those that are a little more organized in their thoughts going forward and you, you are, and that's why I was looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> uh, I just, I really look forward to, to seeing your further enhancements on, uh, on, uh, uh, on Gunther and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and where you're, where you're taking, where you're taking the, the robotics itself, because you're like, you're right. It's, it is a technology and, uh, how we harness that is going to help determine how successful we are. And, uh, you've done, you've done a great job putting stuff together and, um, uh, give our best to Dr. Potts and, uh, we, we appreciate you taking some time to come in and, uh, um, I tell you what, if you don't mind, I think uh, I'm going to keep your card here in the Rolodex. I think we need to check up uh, in, a, in a little while and see how the progress of, uh, of everything's coming. Of course. I'd love to have That's, you on again. 
That sounds great. Well, that'll wrap us up for this week of Surveyor Says. Thank, uh, thank you, Michael, for joining us. Um, uh, wherever you subscribe, go ahead and hit that like button. We, we appreciate all of our listeners. And uh, we do have some great more, uh, conversations coming up. Uh, I don't want to tip my hand a little bit, but uh, we do have some really great conversations like, like Michael here. It's, uh, it's, there's been a bunch of people that have come out of the woodwork that, uh, that really like these conversations, and uh, we would look forward to bringing them to you. So thanks again. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.